This week on Paranormally Speaking. Hi, I'm your host, Neil Parks. Thank you for joining me again. This week I'm going to be discussing children and paranormal encounters. Children with a sixth sense. Stories of children who have relayed their experiences to their parents at a very early age. I'll also be sharing my personal encounters from my youth with the paranormal and what got me started and what I do today. I'm going to be covering a variety of issues pertaining to children who may or may not have lived previous lives or they've tapped into a type of stored energy that exists on an alternate plane yet within our own reality that allows them to receive flashes of things from the past and they're able to relay in vivid detail what happened to the person before. So that's a theory I've been kicking around for years, that past lives are actual, actually tapping into energies that exist all around us. And what we think we may have lived in the past, we're actually just watching a repeat like on a television show and seeing the same thing play out. And we're able to act as a conduit to relay that information to those around us as a way to keep the cycle going. Please hold for an important word from our sponsor. Imagine no longer being tied down to your computer, but having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. TalkStream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application. The talk shows you follow now follow you. And your iPhone is now the fastest and easiest way to stay connected to the best talk radio on the Internet. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Mobile talk radio from TalkStream Live. Now available in the iTunes App Store. It's spooky enough when adults see ghosts or experience supernatural happenings, but it's somehow even more chilling when it happens to children. Strangers on a different thread have shared their most vivid memories of what they as a child or their younger loved ones saw. Ghosts and answers pertaining to the paranormal were very chilling yet interesting. The first story shared with me is titled Baby Lisa. My niece, Lisa, passed away at 13 months old. She was two months older than my daughter. When my daughter was about three, we were looking through pictures and she pointed to my niece's picture and said, that's my friend, baby Lisa. She plays with me in the sandbox and she lives far, far away. This was sent to me from at J-E-A-M-A-R-914. The man in the hallway. This was sent to me from Melissa Gillette. My five-year-old grandson just nonchalantly asked me why the man in the hallway is watching us. For the record, I live alone. Ghostly Grandma. This was sent to me from former GOP mom. My mom died five years before my kids were born. But when they were old enough to talk, they told me how she sat on their bed at night and told them stories of me as a child and her nickname for me. Everything she said was true. Premonitions. This was sent to me from Haley, H-A-Y-L-E-Y, underscore Dr. P-H. 
My mother tells me that when I was four, I came into the kitchen and told her that her uncle was dead and that he had said goodbye. She was upset and told me not to say such things. Moments later, the phone rang and the person calling told her that her uncle had just died. Aunt Peg. This was from Dr. Conway. When my son was about two, we were napping on the second floor of our small row home in Philadelphia. All of a sudden, he pointed at the window and said, Hi, Aunt Peg. A few minutes later, the phone rang, and we found out that my husband's Aunt Peg had just passed. I'll never forget it. No jumping on the bed. This was sent to me from at say underscore I underscore do. My dad passed in 1987. My daughter was born in 1993. At one and a half, she was jumping on my mom's bed. My mom and I were singing the monkey song. Then baby girl stopped, sat down on the bed. Granddaddy said no jumping on the bed. My dad never let us jump on the bed when we were kids. Gettysburg expert. From Lorraine Leon. When my son was five, we took a trip to Gettysburg. He kept correcting the tour guide. I asked him how he knew this information. He said the man in the uniform was telling him this. My son's information was correct. In fact, it was more precise than the tour guide's information. Imaginary friend named Eddie. This was sent to me from I am Karen at K-A-R-E-N-H-7463. My friend told me a story of the five-year-old whose family moved into my childhood home. He had an imaginary friend named Eddie, who was three. I have a great uncle who died in that home, who was three at the time of his death. His name was Edward. I used to watch you and mommy. This is from Doug and Judy. My six-year-old does this often. She told my wife and I at dinner, one night I used to watch over you and mommy when you were little. Another time she told us she met her brother who had died five years before she was born. Laughing and smiling and waving. From Lady Diane, 2017. My terminally ill husband passed away in our bedroom. About five years later, at the age of 18 months, my grandson sat on my bed. All of a sudden, he started laughing and smiling and waving to the area where the hospital bed had been. That area was empty. Grandma says bye. This is from DKB1355. My nephew was three. I walked into the room, and he was in a conversation. I asked who he was talking to. He said, Grandma. He told me very specific details and things about Grandma. He said, Grandma says bye. I said, Grandma left? He said, Grandma said you wouldn't believe I was talking to her because you're not a kid. Farmer in a past life. My nephew at age five told us he was once a farmer with three kids who lived in a town in Wisconsin. He said he missed the kids. He never forgot it. We never forgot it, but he did. The clencher, the town he named, exists. Not a common name either. 
This was from at I am Kane three. Sweet grandfather. This is from at Medic Tromasher. I was 15 when my grandfather passed. My parents were at the hospital and I was at home asleep. I heard my grandfather call my name and he was in my bedroom. He put the stuffed dog he won for me on my bed and said, see ya, my girl. Grandpa's cologne. This is from Sabrina Zombie. Right after my oldest was born, I walked into the nursery. He and the nursery smelled like my father's cologne. My dad died 10 months before he was born. My son has smelled like that cologne after as well on many occasions. Now he wears it. He took a liking to it. Bump. This was sent to me from Katie Wells. My now adult son had multiple imaginary friends. One was named Bump. One day when I was in the shower, he shouted into the bathroom, Mommy, Bump watches you when you are in the shower. The Bulldog Knows. This was sent to me from Ava Roby. My one-and-a-half-year-old bulldog lays on my bed and will talk to my husband who died. Bulldogs are talkers, lots of noises in his chair, and she'll pause like she's listening, and more talk. He died in 2018. I got her in the fall of 2019. She tosses a ball to the chair. Her other mother. This was sent to me from Sassy Kadic. My youngest went on about her other mother from age two to five. The stories she told still haunt me to this day. The last time I was there, this was sent to me from Candy DeLong. When my daughter was around three, she told me the last time I was here, I was a boy. Very calmly and dug into some French toast. 30 years later, I'm still stunned. True story. Please hold for an important word from our sponsor. Hey, we're back. Uh, Today's episode, I was talking earlier about strange things that children have told their parents or friends or family, things they've experienced, stories that have been shared with me from people who've also had these experiences. And... We have a lot of credit to give to shows like Psychic Kids with Chip Coffee, Paranormal Kids, Unsolved Mysteries even, and in relationship to stories and tales of children who share their experiences with the paranormal and the unknown, things they've seen, they've heard, memories they've shared. And that sort of stokes my own memories, Uh, for example... From the age of about 4 to 11, every year during the week anniversary of my grandfather's death, I would see him walking the property uh, for which he and my grandmother and their offspring owned. And he looked unsettled, like he was in anguish or pain, reaching out to me. And I would tell my grandmother and she would tell me just to ignore it. He's just checking in on us. Just ignore it. He's not going to hurt you. And that sort of started my fascination with the paranormal. 
and stories that my grandmother shared with me about her childhood and strange things that she saw and heard and her and her sister had experienced with the mountain witch or um, a ghostly encounter in the kitchen that my great aunt had when she was a teenager. Even stories my own parents have shared with me about their paranormal experiences that later in life they decided to ignore and suppress tapping into those energies, if you want to call it psychic energy, um, which they also advised me to ignore when I had experiences. But I went the exact opposite direction and embraced the signs, embraced the visions, embraced the sounds, the smells of otherworldly phenomenon. Now back to my grandfather, I would see him during the week of the anniversary of his death and he would be reaching out to me or opening his mouth, but no sound would come out. I, I heard nothing. I, could, I just got a feeling that he was in need. He needed help. And I didn't start attending of church regularly until I was maybe nine or ten. And, you know, we had gone here and there. It was a bit of a spotty um, attendance record, but my parents decided to become members at a local church and that's where I ended up and the closer I got to Christ the more intense the visions and the ability became almost as if it was a spiritual gift and every year during that week anniversary of my grandfather's death after that it became more and more clear that he was calling out and crying out for help. Now, it wouldn't be until my 20s that I was told the truth as to why and how he died. Unfortunately, he had taken his own life when I was three years old, and I was told he had just died of old age. But when the truth came out, it all made sense because it would be Right before I turned 12 that I saw him again during that same time period and it just dawned on me to pray for him, pray him through to the light, to the next level. It, it's just something that I, I would say was a God incidence instead of a coincidence. God spoke to me and said, now's your time, Neil, help him. He's a disembodied spirit and let's work together to get him to cross over because he had been in limbo essentially like what the catholic church teaches is purgatory and calls it that so in a sense i like to think that i used my spiritual gift for good and helped a disembodied spirit a lost soul because after that encounter and the prayer that i said the vision stopped i no longer saw or felt him metaphysically on the property he had moved on he had crossed over and the, you know this doesn't work for everyone of course not everyone is a christian on this planet i know it's a surprise not everyone in america is going to pray to jesus christ they may pray to muhammad they may say prayers to buddha or the million or more gods that the hindus worship but all in all the primary factor is God the Father, God the Creator. 
because we've all been created by a higher power, a higher being, whether it be extraterrestrial or a celestial being. We all want to do good. Deep down inside, we all want to do good on this planet and help each other. I like to think that most of us do. So I've used that gift and ability in the past to help the lost. And like I mentioned in the beginning of this, shows like Paranormal Kids or Psychic Kids or Psychic Children, AI, it's, it's that. And movies like The Sixth Sense, Poltergeist, even The Exorcist, unfortunately, and the darker turns of the paranormal where full-on demonic possession takes place because you openly invite a dark entity or a demon to inhabit you. Movies and shows like that have really piqued the interest of so many, and, and it makes what I do, what I write about, what I talk about openly more socially acceptable. And the days of people branding you as a witch or laughing at you and saying, yeah, there's demons in your sock drawer, or, ooh, Neil saw a ghost. Now people sit up straight and take notice and they pay attention and they listen to these stories and they watch them avidly, religiously and they follow them in Hollywood and they watch these movies and then they themselves feel compelled to share their experiences and that's what I do here people send me texts, emails they meet up with me at a convention or a festival or a book signing god I can't wait to start doing those again now that this pandemic is getting further and further behind us and I've been vaccinated and they share these stories with me and I use this podcast and my YouTube channel and my literary gifts and relay them to you, the listener, the reader, the viewer, whatever you prefer to call yourself. Please hold for an important message from our sponsor. Roswell, UFOs, flying saucers, alien abduction. Are we alone? Information regarding this and many other questions about the unknown are only a click away at www.theufostore.com. Theufostore.com offers hundreds of DVDs about UFOs, aliens, crop circles, conspiracies, Bigfoot, suppressed science, ancient mysteries. Log on to www.theufostore.com and request a free UFO store catalog. Theufostore.com, the largest selection of UFO products on the Internet. I remember a few years ago, a walkthrough that I conducted during the daytime at a local property in my hometown of Chillicothe, Ohio, Ohio's first capital. It was before the second annual Chillicothe Ghost Walk. This was in 2008, and it was in the historic downtown district of Chillicothe, Ohio where the Erie Canal used to go through, which is now known as Water Street. And the upstairs, now apartment area of this property, which beneath it was, at that time, Lloyd's Sweet Shop. And the upstairs, during the days of the canal, was a brothel. And at another time, it was, uh, like, group housing. But at this time... I'm doing a daytime walkthrough, and I brought my son with me, who was fastly approaching the age of two. He was able to walk around and had a bag of candy 
that I had acquired from Lloyd's Sweet Shop before making our way up there. Yes, I take my children on research and walkthroughs and <clears throat> investigations sometimes. And accompanying us on this walkthrough was one of the founding members of the Women's League of Voters of Ross County, Ohio. They were the ones that were promoting and bankrolling this downtown ghost walk. And they chose me as the primary expert on all things paranormal in preparation for the ghost walk. So they had me walk with uh, one of their members upstairs to what at one time was a brothel. And as I'm walking around, this the stairwell that leads up to the top floor is extremely narrow. Uh, I'm assuming because at that time there were no trans fats in food or hormones, growth hormones in our food. So people were considerably smaller back then, on average. And now we have an obesity problem in the United States, so it's going to be a bit more difficult for some people to make their way up this stairwell. But fortunately, during the ghost walk, when it happened a few weeks later, people of all shapes and sizes were able to scale those stairs, make it in, and experience the paranormal that was in this property firsthand. Now, as I reach the top of the stairs, I'm holding my son, and he's clenching his brown bag of candy. Now, some of this candy, you got your basic chocolate coins wrapped in the foil. You have some of your import chocolates and various other gadgetry like novelty items. You know, because I like to splurge on my kids. So this was way before Bella was born, too. She came along two years later. So as I'm walking around with him, I put him down to walk next to me, holding his tiny hand. And in his other hand, he's holding that same bag. And I'm just conversing back and forth with this member of the Women's League of Voters. And before she even tells me anything about the property, I immediately get a sense of female energy, not just from her, but overall strong female energy in this property in the upstairs. And I could smell old world cooking taking place or having had taken place at one point in time in this area. Now, you know, that's all old 19th century or 20th century, um, late 19th century wallboard, of course, and food and other various aromas like pipe smoke or cigar smoke will bake into the wallboard. And due to changes in atmospheric climate change or whatever, those aromas will expel from the wallboard, almost as if the board, the wall itself is breathing. So you get a whiff of that and you're immediately taken back to another time. So I could smell like old lard and old fried food and various other types of aromas, pipe smoke, um, old world perfumes. It just sort of lingered in the upstairs of this property. And as I'm turning a corner and walking past one of the rooms, because there's a room to the left, room to the right, and three rooms ahead. Now, this upstairs area goes on and on and on. It's all interconnected to the neighboring properties and the properties in the back. This is one city block here that is a part of the historical downtown district. And I go from one room to another, and I keep feeling like something's running from me. 
like I've discovered it and it knows that I feel it, that I notice it, and it moves from room to room. Luke immediately starts reacting. That's my son. As I'm holding him over my shoulder, because I pick him up before we walk further back because it's a a bit darker there and I wasn't sure of the flooring if it was strong enough to support us so I have him over my shoulder and he starts giggling and reaching out to something behind me and I turn I don't turn my full body I just turn my head and look out of the corner of my eye and he has his hand over both of his eyes the only hand that's not clenching the bag of chocolates And then he giggles and moves his hands away from his eyes and then back over the eyes. He was playing peekaboo with something behind me that I could not physically see, but I could metaphysically feel the energy of what he saw with his own eyes. And this went on for about five minutes. And we go further back, I take a left, a few more rooms here and there, and this thing continues to follow us. So at this point, when we reach the main foyer area of the upstairs, beyond all the rooms, beyond the kitchen, beyond the one bathroom that was up there for all of these rooms, I sit him down on a folding table that's up there. And he turns and faces the other way while I'm having a conversation with the representative from the Women's League of Voters about the plans for the ghost walk, where I'm going to be sitting, where they're gonna set up my table, I would, of course, at this point in time, be selling the first book I ever had published. At at that point in time, I had only had one book out. This was in 2008. I was a new author, uh, relatively unknown regionally or statewide or even beyond that. I was just on the lips and minds of a few people. No big deal. And this was way before my podcast or YouTube channel or appearances and documentaries and working with independent film companies and paranormal films and so forth before my IMDb page. It was a humble beginning. And when I sit Luke on this table, he starts blabbing away and conversing with something that's in the corner that I can feel is there, but I don't see it. It's not revealing itself to me. He still sees it. And he opens up his bag, reaches his hand in, and holds out one of the foil-wrapped chocolates and keeps saying, here, here, here. And he puts his hand down, and for like five seconds, that freaking foil-wrapped chocolate sort of hovers there as he puts his hand down. And then it just drops on the table. And he takes out a little toy car that was in the bag that I also acquired from the novelty section of this chocolate shop for him. And he rolls it on the table and it stops. Rolls it a little way and it stops right at the edge. And both the representative for the Women's League of Voters and myself are watching this happen. And the car stops, turns around like someone placed their thumb and index finger on it and twisted it around and pushed it right back towards him. He giggled with delight. It was a great time for him. But it was a little unsettling because I couldn't see the damn thing. But he was fully interacting with some 
metaphysical apparition. And, you know, I've told him this story to this day. In fact, I wrote about the encounter in my second book, which is titled Haunted Chillicothe, all about the history and mystery of this paranormal hotspot that I live in. My first book was titled Paranormal Chronicles, Tales of Humor, Horror, and the Absolutely Strange. And that was a first attempt to essentially dip my toe in the water of the literary world to see where it would take me. Because I just wanted to share stories that my grandmother had relayed to me of her experiences and encounters and people around her, what they saw and heard and witnessed. And my great aunt and my uncles who served in uh, the Vietnam War and what they saw overseas and witnessed paranormal encounters, weird beasts of the jungle, uh, UFO sightings, ghosts, name it. That's what I wrote about in the first book. My own personal experiences and that's why this story I just shared with you made it to my second book because it truly was a powerful experience involving a child and the paranormal. Please hold for an important word from our sponsor. Now playing one of the biggest podcasts of the week on the free iHeartRadio app. Now number one for podcasting. There's a tire shop that rests on the outskirts of West 50, Western Avenue in Chillicothe, Ohio. It's the Western Business District. There's an excessive amount of paranormal activity. There have been stories of people seeing phantom Shawnee warriors riding horseback. A ghostly girl and boy have been seen at this location by several eyewitnesses and the sounds of footsteps, voices, and doors slamming tires falling on their own or rolling off a rack without anyone around them have been reported. A story that was shared with me made the hair of my arms stand at attention. This encounter occurred about at this point nine years ago. A customer arrived after business hours with the intentions to drop off his vehicle for repairs. He parked near the front of the building and waited for his ride to pick him up. He was surveying the area and noticed that a decorative item inside the shop was moving in a circular motion. He thought to himself, perhaps someone is here. I could just leave my keys with them instead of the drop box. He walked to the front door, but soon realized it was locked. There were no lights on in the shop, and he didn't see anyone moving around in the back. Puzzled, he returned to his vehicle and continued to wait for his ride. A few minutes followed after he returned to his vehicle, and the decorative item that was inside the showroom began to spin again, and the bathroom light was turning on and off repeatedly. He was growing annoyed with the situation and decided to go back and see if anyone was hiding from him. He was planning to knock on the front door until whoever was playing this prank decided to stop. Much to his surprise, there on the floor of the showroom sat a small boy. According to his description, the boy was dressed in what looked like garb of a modern Amish kid. A small boy with a bowl-cut hairdo. He was wearing suspenders and an old-world button-down shirt. The boy's pants were dark gray. Everything about what this man was seeing rattled his nerves to the bone. 
The small boy appeared to be sitting on his legs, crossed over. The boy just sat there, staring at this display as it spiraled. The lights continued to go off and on as this boy remained motionless. The customer couldn't fathom what he was seeing. Where did this boy come from? Where are his parents? Were just some of the questions running through his mind during this encounter. He proceeded to step back away from the window without what felt like a second. The lights were off and the boy disappeared. The boy then instantly reappeared face to face with this frightened man. The way this man described the look of the boy left me speechless. In his words, he said, The boy showed his face to me. He went from sitting on the floor to standing at the window in a mere nanosecond. His mouth was gaping open, and his eyes, oh my God, his eyes, there were no eyes, only black, sunken sockets. He looked miserable. Upon having the life scared out of him, the customer ran from the window, got in his vehicle, and drove straight home. It would be three years after that point before he returned to this business. He later tracked me down at my day job and relayed this story to me. Now today, as I mentioned, we're going to be discussing the phenomenon of black-eyed children or children appearing with sunken sockets for eyes, total blackness, nothing. They're physical beings, but their eyes are black or it's just an empty socket. What is this anomaly? What is this phenomenon? Is it paranormal, supernatural, demonic? All three of those things relate to one another. But are these black-eyed children from our world, an alternate dimension, a hell dimension, the future, the past, or is it something projected from our own subconscious? I'll dive deeper into this after we return from this message. Hey, thanks for coming back. What an awesome episode this was this week. I had a lot of fun doing this one. Thank you so much for returning every week and listening to me yammer on until uh, tell ghost stories and share tales and experiences of my own as well as those that are sent to me on a regular basis to share with you. I hope you have a wonderful weekend. Uh, very enlightening Good Friday. Time to focus and enrich your personal lives and have a wonderful Easter, however you may celebrate it. Uh, next week I'll be back. Same stuff, different day, different stuff. Same day. Around the same time. Once again, thanks for all that you do for me. Because if it weren't for my listening audience, of all three of you, I would have no point in doing this. This is Neil Parks, signing off. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs>